Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Today, our guest interview is with Sylvia Blakely. She is the founder of Arise Daughter. And before I go into her bio and let her talk more, I just want to tell you all that her and I have been um, talking for several months. She has been a mentor to me, and we started going through the Leadership Lessons of Jesus. It's a book uh, by Bob Briner and Ray Pritchard. It is about 74 chapters, but they're all, it's a short little book actually of just one or two um, pages all out of the um, book of Mark, the, the lessons come out of the book of Mark. So it's beautifully written. And we thought, let's share this conversation with everybody. So we get trained a lot on what to do, all the things that we need to do as leaders, but we, we rarely talk about how we need to be as leaders. Mm-hmm. And I know I need area a growth in this area. And I know we can always grow in this area. And so, um, my conversations with Sylvia have always been so rich. And so I'm so glad that you agreed to do this, Sylvia. And I just know everyone listening is going to be blessed by our conversations today. So a little bit about Sylvia. She is the founder of Arise Daughter. It is a post-abortion ministry, mentoring ministry, excuse me, with a mission to help women and men heal, train and serve in the kingdom of God. Sylvia is a registered nurse with a master's of science degree in community health from the Ohio State University. Her own abortion journey started over 40 years ago, and she has since been forgiven and set free to help others along in their journey. She is a poet, a photographer, a blogger, and an organizer of pro-life artists who is willing to use their testimony and her art to advance the kingdom of God. Recently, she became a certified or she became certified to facilitate trauma art workshops as part of a window between worlds. And that is a quote healing network. She has been featured on several podcasts with support after abortion, I rapture and heartbeat international, as well as the live action campaign can't stay silent. She's also featured in the healing portion of the play viable called viable act Two. She has helped organize two virtual summits, one to quote, sound the alarm regarding chemical abortion trauma in that was in 2022 and a second on abortion in the church, fostering reconciliation with Christ. Sylvia works with the whole life project, part of the and 
campaign to produce life-affirming videos. She was a keynote speaker for the Celebration of Restoration Luncheon in May of 2022 for the Abortion Recovery Network hosted by Pregnancy Decision Health Centers of Columbus, Ohio. Sylvia is passionate about mentoring, healing, and building bridges within the pro-life, whole life community. I love that. Her heart's desire is to be used by God to see that all who seek healing receive it. And you can learn more about Sylvia and her unique organization at artists or excuse me, ariseartists.com. Great segue into chapter 37. Um, our final chapter we're going to talk about today, leaders pray in gratitude. Mm-hmm. And um, I had no idea when I um, suggested these chapters that they would flow so beautifully together, but they tend to. So thank you, God, because I was just um, picking ones that look good to me at the time, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but this is a beautiful chapter too. And one of the first things that it says is prayer is a necessary, is it is as necessary after triumph as it is before difficulty. So what would prayer after triumph look like? Is it all about praising God? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was sort of rhetorical. To, but yeah. You know, this, yeah this, this, this is the, the point of prayer. You're right. You're right. Um, and I, I was looking at Luke 10 when I thought about this question. And okay. it said, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit after the disciples returned um, in victory, Mm. doing what it was that he had called them to do. He rejoiced in the spirit. So, you know, knowing that things have gone the way God wanted them to, perfect time, perfect time to give him praise. Um, (laughs) And our our Lord and Savior modeled that. Um, It's all about acknowledging God's hand in any situation. You just gave that example of, of David and um you know going back to the tents and rallying the troops and you know being thankful for you know sparing your life in the battle and that he ended up having you know his he's lord of heaven's armies right so he had his had the armies of heaven do what needed to be done those are times when it's the sweetest. I feel like our spirit is most buoyed when we are praising. Gratitude is powerful. Um, gratitude with humility is even more powerful. Um, we talked about, you know, God just wanting to be with that humble and contrite heart. And when you thank him for doing what only he could have done, you know, I cannot imagine how pleased he is when we do that. Um, so we want to continue to give honor to the one who deserves the glory for any victory. Um, and if we're doing that as part of a culture, you know, if after, you know, we had, we just as an example, again, after that gallery show, we had like the best post night celebration just in prayer um, and also ministering to one another because we knew that we did what God had asked us to do. Um, And so as you model that as a leader, again, it just becomes part of who you are. You're not always going with your hands out. You know, oftentimes you're going right back with your hands up and saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, So why is it important for us? It is so easy to pray, you know, when we are um, 
it seems to be easier to pray when we are down, dejected, you know, defeated, you know, because we need God. And, and, and sometimes it's harder to, to pray, if you will, when we're done and uh, after a triumph and after a victory. So why mm-hmm. is it important for us to take that pause and just put it all back in the Lord's love? Again, I think it's acknowledgement. You know, I think it's important that we acknowledge the reason for the triumph, for the victory. Um, the victories are all his anyway. Um, we just get to be participants um, in the process. And if you're if you're blessed, you get a front row seat to it. <laughs> but um, we cannot put ourselves in that place. That's extremely dangerous especially as a leader, I believe, to put ourselves in that place of um, that honorific place. That is something that we did. Um, And again, that can start a really negative culture um, that we are the one that people are following. No. Yeah. It puts the emphasis exactly back on the mission, who gave us the mission, who's working the mission through us. So it's just a full circle moment. It's a full circle moment. And some people don't want to circle back. You know, they want to keep moving forward. And they, you know, that was yesterday. This is today. I think you ought to put a period on the end of that sentence. And that period (laughs) is thank you. (laughs) I'm grateful. You know, for entrusting me with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to Gideon and our conversation in the previous session about Gideon's fleece. And, you know, he was so humble in the beginning. He put that fleece out. He wasn't used to listening to God. They were serving Baal and the altars and, you know, all these other gods. And, and so he put the fleece out and he was like, okay, Lord, if it's wet on the ground and dry on the fleece. And then, and then it was, and then he said, okay, so if it's wet on the fleece and dry on the ground, you know, (laughs) he was just putting all these fleeces out, really wanting to know, is this really you? And God kept answering that that prayer for him. And he went out and he led in a great victory with very right. few men because God reduced his army, you know, right, but right. then he came back and he built an altar to himself. I know. I know. And that that is what you're talking about because mm-hmm. he got all that victory and he did mm-hmm. not give his praise to the Lord afterwards. And what's so interesting too, Mindy, uh, as you um, bring that up is that he started off with accusations. Where have you been? Why yes. haven't you been here? Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Yes. Well, when you really truly have that in your heart of hearts, are you going to come back and thank the one that made it happen? Probably not. You know, a lot of the stuff issues from our heart. We know that. So it's interesting when you when you think about, you know, where Gideon started and where he ended. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's a good point. He didn't move very far. <laughs> I mean, he moved the needle, but... <laughs> As it turns out, yeah, really interesting. So So the book goes on to talk about time alone, uh, time and prayer alone is necessary for successful Mm -hmm. leadership. And I, I can say this with full experience, that it was the first thing that went from my life when I got busy in leadership. Mm. And that's what led to my burnout. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. I know where we're going to go with this question. And so you don't. No, you, you don't. don't. Okay. Okay, good. Ask okay. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. So <laughs> just so everybody knows, we had a back and forth email about this question. <laughs> and so um, it wasn't, um, 
we're not trying to tell anybody what to do. We're trying to address right. what people, right. when people say they want to prescribe. Um, anyway, how much time in prayer should we be having? <laughs> Take it away, Sylvia. <laughs> oh. Yes, Mindy's alluding to the fact that oftentimes when I first, you know, encounter something that seems tough or whatever, I will, I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty of it. I will superficially look at it and go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I gave her ah, yeah, yeah, answer. And Laura said, no, no, I've got something that you need to address with this question. So this, this is where it went uh, as I listened to the Lord, Mindy. Um, he reminded me very clearly that um, if we are following the, the biblical group, the, excuse me, the biblical <laughs> blueprint <laughs> uh, that he gave us, then we are to pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. That's First Thessalonians five seventeen. Um, and for me, what that looks like is being intentional about substituting my worry with prayer. I like substituting that. my uh, grumbling with prayer. Um, it's a choice. I don't know that there is a specific, you know, time frame per se, but if without ceasing gives us any clue, then that means pretty much continually those thoughts that we can take captive and turn into a prayer of gratitude and gratefulness. Oh my gosh, how much more of a link with God would we have during the day instead of that? feeling of disconnect that we often have when things are tough in our ministries. Yeah. That's what I think he wants for us. He wants that. He wants that open channel constantly so that Holy spirit can speak. He's always talking. We're not always listening. And I think that's also another aspect of prayer that I just wanted to touch on for me as I'm learning to lean into, um, more quiet time with God and less petitioning and even less Thanksgiving sometimes. And I don't mean that to mean I have a prescription for any of those. Um, what I'm saying is I want to lengthen my time of listening. You know, prayer, <clears throat> prayer is deep and wide. It can be. And Sometimes we don't always recognize everything that comes out of our time of prayer. So I, yeah, I would highly invite all of us to spend as much time in prayer as possible. And that means, you know, not only petitioning, but thanksgiving and also listening. You know, if we're doing that the majority of the day, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's easy to get wrapped up in busyness and, um, say, oh yeah, I'm praying. But so with that, how important, how, how talk about the importance of in prayer alone. Mm. So we can be pray, we, praying without ceasing, but we can have people around us. You know, we could be doing our things while we're, while we're praying without ceasing our dishes mm -hmm. and our ministry work and our yep. laundry and our, mm -hmm. you know, our family and all this stuff. So what does it imply to be in prayer alone and how can we evaluate our prayer time and the time we need to spend with the Lord? <clears throat> um, as I was looking at this question, the Lord led me to Matthew 6, 6, where Jesus instructs us to pray alone 
so that we can access the Father in the secret place, be seen by him in that secret place, but then be openly rewarded. Mm. It's important that we spend alone time in prayer. Um, Jesus did this constantly with people around, right? It, it, it didn't take him much to, to just step away and find a quiet spot to pray alone. I was also struck as I was, you know, as God was helping me to understand this, that um, Jesus didn't even teach his disciples how to pray until they asked him hmm. to teach them. So I think you have to be hungry for prayer. Mm. You have to want it. You have to want that connection with the divine. It's not just something rote. You know, he was really adamant about us not just speaking rote prayers, which is what most of his disciples would have learned in, in you know, Torah school. And, and certainly he repeated, I'm sure, during his day. But there's just something about wanting to be connected to the divine that you have to fight for. You have to fight for it. Um, and so that means making every opportunity that you can to when you say you're going to pray for somebody, stop and pray for them then. If you need to pray over yourself, stop and do it right then. There are so few other things that we have to do that, that would supersede a prayer. That's something I'm learning. That's something I'm learning. Yeah, that's good. Um, in the middle of page 101 on the book, I'm going to read the, just for context for the listeners. After God has seen us through difficulty or allowed us to lead others through difficulty, we should be certain to get go to him in prayer. This is not a time for casual prayer that we whisper as we move on to our next activity. Jesus could easily have gone with his disciples as they left for Beth. Beth theta, sorry, which would have been the natural expected thing to do. Why wait and travel alone? Because God's great help and great blessing demanded a particularly meaningful time of communion mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. And so our praying without ceasing is so important. And yet that can turn into this very casual prayer as we move from one activity to the next. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's just talk about that a little bit. Um, the importance of what this is talking about right here. Yeah. Meaningful time of communion. You know, I'll go back to the, to the, um, to the story of where um, when the disciples came back and, and, you know, they were all happy and triumphant that they were able to use the power that Jesus had given them to cast out demons and heal people. There was this one particular demon that would not yield and they wanted to know why. And Jesus gave them a prescription um, that some of these only come out through prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. There is an intentionality sometimes to our prayers that has a result that is expectant. So if I'm just praying, you know, while I'm doing my laundry or I'm praying while I'm cooking my food, you know, I'm thanking God for the provisions and I'm thanking God for, you know, I always say that I, I didn't have to go out and pick all this stuff or go slaughter, whatever that was I'm eating. I thank God for that. But if I want something for someone that is extremely intentional, 
then I need to be intentional about my prayer. That cannot be casual. If, you know, if I'm trying to help <laughs> remove a spirit from somebody that has latched onto them, that's not casual. That's battle. That's warfare. Right? And you have to go into that prepared in a certain way. So I happen to be sitting in my prayer chair right now. I know folks can't see that, but I choose my prayer chair to do the majority of my work um, in this ministry because I always want to remember that I am connected to the source and that when I am feeling like I am in myself and striving on my own, I am sitting in the chair that I pray intentionally in. Got my little curtain here, goes around me. I can never not be connected to that source. But there are times when you have to go in hard, <laughs> literally, and it has to be with intentionality. And so, yeah, when you're praying in the spirit for something that's really what we would consider difficult, um, yeah, that's that's the exact opposite of casual prayer, <laughs> exact opposite of casual prayer. Yes. Thank you for that. And um, so is there anything else in this chapter you want to bring up or talk about, about prayer? Or, um, I just thank you for this opportunity to talk about um, why leaders are important, why um, God wants us to be the best leaders because he wants us to be the best disciples, um, why it's important to pray for your team, um, why it's important to organize prayer and prayer and fasting time for your team when, mm -hmm. when you intentionally want it to happen, why it's important to continue to try to do our best to model the walk of Jesus for our team and to know when we need our Peter, James, and John to help us or to sit with us, or to help strengthen us, or someone that we can confide in that we trust. You know, there's so many aspects to this walk. It's such a beautiful walk um, that I don't want us to miss it with the busyness. Yes. So that that is what energizes me on a daily basis, that I get to walk this walk. Yeah. That God has, you know, has planned for me. So thank you for this opportunity, Mindy. I enjoyed this. Oh, me too. Me too. And I hope, hope you can come back. Um, and I want to say to anyone who's listening, uh, we're wrapping up part two of this series. Um, and I may turn this into four parts, just so you know, Sylvia, just so people can really listen and not feel overwhelmed with an hour each. But, um, uh, you know, if, if you're out there as a leader and you are struggling with defeat, delay, rejection, you're struggling with your prayer time. You're realizing, you know what? My prayer time isn't what it should be. And that is um, why I'm not being fueled in the rest of my ministry. God is a God of grace. And it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means you just need to confess that and get right back in with the Lord and guard that time, put that on your calendar, whatever you have to do, but mm -hmm. make relationship with him the first priority. Amen. So. Amen. Right. Amen. Well, we are going to be closing for the day. So 
again, Sylvia, thank you so much. And we miss Linda and uh, thank you all for listening.